You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. I understand that you are emotionally attached to stuff far more than I can ever be. And my hearts are with every single Tesla City fan today. That's all I can say. Listen, you want to, don't talk about pay. You don't know nothing about my structure. It's a lovely chip. Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Pohino. Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. Yeah, could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is. Andy Sinton from nothing. Ryan Roy has headed for it into the lead. Wheelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Wheelan. No power on it whatsoever, but Saibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Only oh, Hassan. No. Welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. Michael is still set to manage a holiday, but we're lucky enough to be joined in the studio this week by Tom Crane, who's going to sit with us. Yes. <laughs> I assume that's... I, I, like I, like I felt like I was going somewhere to no. sit with us. Well, Tom, we've just recorded this episode with Tom Crane where we discussed the Chester City documentary, Chester City, an American Dream. It's great fun. So we thought we might as well have Tom here while we read out your correspondence. Lovely. Delightful. Let's get into it. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Right. So this is from Stefan Allerhand. Now, uh, just so you know, I am going to collate all the players that have uh, saved lives, saving people from swallowing their tongue, but I've had a busy week, so I haven't got around to it. So thank you for all your emails on that. We don't need any more. Thank you. Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. (laughs) That's what we can call it. Um, (laughs) But uh, this is in response to Gary Neville. Listening to the Gary Neville talking about staying in hotels before a game, a long dormant memory was reawakened. Back towards the latter stage of the 90s, I checked into a nondescript hotel somewhere in the Midlands where I found something in my room that I found quite interesting and kept as a memento. It appeared that the great Manchester United team of the 1988-89 season had stayed there recently before the game away at Coventry. Nil one United gigs 78. Left behind in the drawer were the room details for the entire squad. Obviously given to each player when they checked in. Awesome. 
Wondering if I still had it, I had a good rummage in various boxes and found it. I've now scanned and attached as I thought it may be of interest. It shows who shared with who and who was lucky enough to have their own rooms. Brilliant. Wow. What have we got? Okay. The Nevilles shared a room, obviously. <laughs> Bunk bed, I hope. <laughs> it's really sweetly sort of same pajamas. <laughs> Do you yeah. think that's just there's something slightly emasculating about still sharing with, with your, your brother. brother? Can we guess any more pairings? Yeah. Well, do you want do you want one half of each pairing? Yes. yes. Who did Roy Keane share with? No one. Dennis Irwin. The oh, Irishman of course, Dennis Irwin didn't get a room on his own. I've got the original thing that he's. Uh, so this is called rooming list report. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to just run through the whole the whole list? Yeah. yeah. Go. David Beckham. Ryan Giggs. Solo. Ooh. Yeah. Beckham had a room on his own. Yeah. Dennis Irwin, maybe 10 years his senior, yeah. had to share with Roy Keane. I know. Also, how gutted would you be to draw Roy Keane? Really? Oh, well, you... I, imagine he's had, I don't imagine it's a new drawer every week. Surely they're kind of used to each other's foibles. Yeah, the thought of it. You know, worrying whether you're going to cough during the night, oh. needing the loo but not, not fit, having the guts to get up and go in case you wake him. <laughs> Just, yeah. But? Um, skulls. Oh. Button skulls. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Gigs, this is a weird one. Gigs and coal. Oh, really? Oh, I'd have never have got that. Mr. J. Curran, don't know who that is on his own. Mr. A. Ferguson was in with Mr. Steve McLaren. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was on his own. This is one that works well. Ronnie Johnson was in with Henning Berg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course they were. <laughs> right, get the double He's done bed. along nationality lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The two foreign lads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. David May, Wes Brown, Neville and Neville. Schmeichel on his own, Stam and Skolskjaer together, Dwight York on his own, and Van der Howe and Jesper Blomqvist in the most disappointing room. Van der Howe and Jesper Blomqvist. God, no one's going there for a late night. Do you reckon Van der Howe and Jesper Blomqvist are just going, we're getting away with murder still being in this squad. (laughs) How are we in this squad? Van der Howe are we in this squad? (laughs) Van der Howe are we here? (laughs) Very briefly, can we just quickly discuss... What, how, why do we think Beckham, for example, has got a room? How, is it because he's a star? I don't but know. Roy but Roy Keane I... was massive. There's so many players in there that could yeah. easily say... I mean, Schmeichel, I can see he's huge, big. Yeah. But why is well, Beckham... Schmeichel's got it because he's physically big. <laughs> They've had to put two beds together in a row. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Yeah, why is I, Beckham? I, if right, anything, I Irwin, think Ferguson would clamp down on that. Exactly. That's what I find bizarre. Why is Beckham not in with gigs or whatever? Well, yeah. Why, why, that seems bizarre to me. There's a weird sort of... I'd be Maybe it, it was keen. done on a kind of rotation basis. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dwight York, so Dwight York gets his own room as well. Yeah. R- remarkable. That's the 19th of February, 99. I'm sure an eager listener could figure out what uh, what game that was. It was away at Coventry. Oh, away at Coventry. Oh, Mystery Soul. <laughs> I mean, that is great stuff. Okay, this is from John Lally. Hey, guys, love the podcast, which probably is obvious from the fact that I'm emailing you in a topic for you to potentially talk about. But how else should I start this email? Just name random 90s footballers? Fine. Stuart Nethercott, Neil Point and Craig Forrest. (laughs) While listening to old episodes this week, I've been thinking about which players from this decade are the most 90s type players. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. The ones that will be in the opening credits of Aguero, I swear you'll never see anything like this again podcast in 2038. Yeah. For my team, Tottenham, the most 90s player we've had this decade would have to be Vincent Janssen. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Did he play for Palace? He was the guy that he's, came to Spurs and didn't yeah, score any striker, goals. Striker, isn't he? Yeah, striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good That's choice. A really good shout. Um, I didn't make a full list of teams, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Stephen Pienaar would be Everton's. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know what That's it is. Really you can't, good. like, put your finger on what it is that makes them a 90s player. That's yeah. great. But that is... That's great. That is a great topic. We should start a Hall of Fame from uh, John Lally. So what we want you to do is nominate your current players that you think should have played in the 90s. I've got one. Yeah. I think Danny Drinkwater would be... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sort of quite scrappy central midfielder yeah. with a sort of little British name, but yeah. with a tiny bit of flourish. Drinkwater. Yeah. Yeah. I think Danny Drinkwater as well. So we'll start with those three in our uh, 90s uh, players that have clearly been transported from the 90s to the present day. <laughs> I think it would be good to ultimately end up like assign a player for every. Yeah, so we've got Vincent Janssen up front. Drinkwater and Pinar in central midfield. That's not right. bad. That's not yeah. Yeah, yeah. Complete this team with a modern era. Suggest your names. Hello at quicklygame.com. Okay, this is from Phil Bailey. Now, Crane, to mm-hmm. inform you of this, previously we found out that a lot of people have tunes in their head that they sing <laughs> when they hear the words Eddie McGoldrick. Okay, yeah. We've I- had four different, including mine, we've had three different other... Um, Do you want to know what mine is? Yeah. Eddie McGoldrick. Yeah, we've, we've had, had that. that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, we've yeah, had that one. That's yeah. what it would come to. What was this, yours? It's just made up. <coughs> All right. Okay. Eddie McGoldrick. So it's not even a tune, <laughs> but for some reason I always think about yeah. it. Yeah. And mine is to the tune of uh, Out in the Country by Cliff Richard. Out in the country. Eddie McGoldrick. Oh. La, 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 la. <laughs> So, okay. We right, have, what we, is it about his name? I'm on board. I'm on board. So we had an email from Melissa last week. Let's, said, let's not read out the title. Let's no. just play what they've. So he sent us. Just to add one more. So we had an email from a listener last week who said that they had Eddie McGoldrick to the tune of "Come on, Eileen" in the head, like Eddie, Eddie McGoldrick. Anyway, Eddie. okay. So. <laughs> We've had an email from Phil Bailey. The subject line is... Oh, I don't say what it is because I want Tom to guess what the tune's going to be when we play it. Fantastic. Here we go. This is Phil Bailey. He's recorded it himself in his car. Okay. you got to speed it up (laughs) and then you got to slow it down because if you believe that your love can hit the top you got to play around but soon you'll find the time for Eddie McGoldrick. (laughs) Eddie McGoldrick. (laughs) And... Repeat. <laughs> that's so good. That's, so well, that's one good. of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah. That's what an absolute legend. For Eddie yeah. McGoldrick. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. Oh, the tune was wow. hit, hit, me, hit me one, one more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just love the... Where was he... Was he has he pulled over to a he hard shoulder? Is he in heavy traffic? Is, are his kids in the back? What's the situation in, in this... Uh... He said, recorded this in my Mini <laughs> using the steering wheel as my metronome. <laughs> <laughs> my Eddie McGoldrick banger. That's great. Wonderful. That's great. Uh, If you've got any more tunes uh, for Eddie McGoldrick or anything else you want to talk to us about, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, Crane, well, you're here today to discuss the 2000 Granada documentary Chester City and American Dream. Hi. What have you done for us so far? I it was like such a slap. <laughs> so what really? What have you done for us? I have done. Because um, I can tell you what we've done for you, man. <laughs> everything. Um, I have done uh, two. I've, I've done two of these documentaries, haven't I? Yeah. I've done 
Um, Graham Taylor. Graham Taylor, that's correct. And then what was the other one? That was Barry Fry. Barry Fry. Yeah, there we are. I couldn't, I couldn't remember either of the names. What a start. <laughs> so you're very much a documentary specialist. Apparently so. And you're here today because you've taken a look at a new documentary. Yeah. This time, slightly out of our era. No, yes. well, not quite. It was the 99-2000 season. So I yeah, think that counts as the clinging 90s. on. It's yeah. um, the American Chester City, the yeah. American Dream, Indeed. a documentary by Granada Studios, and it was actually emailed into us by Tom DeCosta. Yes, thank you, Tom. Uh, emailed it in uh, last December. We finally got round to it. That's how far we are behind in our emails. <laughs> <laughs> and it covers the story of Chester City in the 1999-2000 season, yeah. as we say. How do we? Want, how best to begin setting the scene here? Um, can I give you did a little bit? Did you know bit? anything about it? No, I did. I, I knew nothing about. I know nothing about Chester City, and I knew nothing about this uh, crazy story. I mean, we've watched a lot of these, haven't we? Now, we've watched the Doncaster one and the Sunderland one as well. I, it, I don't know when in this to, to begin the discussion of why are people letting cameras into their clubs? Yeah. it's never a good idea. Absolutely insane. Uh, well. Uh, who's, who's the man? Is it Ian Atkins who comes in towards the end? So Ian yeah. Atkins comes in, yes. I, I read Ian Atkins giving a, an interview like 15 years later after this documentary we filmed, and he said that um, Terry Smith, who you'll learn about in a second, the American owner slash manager, brought the TV cameras into his credit. <laughs> More for himself, though. Yeah. I think but we did get a great deal of publicity during that time. Even the likes of Alan Brazil on the radio adopted us as their team to follow. <laughs> I'd say that's the most positive thing you could say about this time. Yeah. So we should set the scene. So it starts a couple of months into the 99-2000 season and Chester City aren't doing well. But, as we all know, that those stories are ten a penny in football, right? Yeah. And we all know it worked out for Chester City. Five promotions, <laughs> the Champions League, and like this is the past, and we've seen what's happened to that yeah. club since How then. did it so, begin? <laughs> exactly. Um, How did the road to glory begin? So Chester, is a, well, um, Chester have been, sorry. at this point, when the documentary begins, they've been in football league since 1931. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes this a unique story is Chester <laughs> have been bought by an American owner called Terry Smith. Yep. And he has also sacked the manager, Kevin Ratcliffe, and installed himself, <laughs> despite no background in what he would term soccer, yep. as the manager. Now, what did you think at this point? Well, Apart from, this is going to be fucking brilliant. <laughs> so, there you go. An American who knows nothing about football, but buying a club and installing himself as manager. Incredible. However, he's he's just in Terry Smith's defence, if I may speak for him. Mm-hmm. He's got good NFL pedigree. He he had two years with the New England Patriots. He then got into coaching. He coached the Great Britain, the Great British National American Football Team. As a head coach, he went on to win three uh, straight division champion uh, championships with the Manchester Spartans as coach. He won three straight conference championships, two straight national championships, guess- two straight European championships. Stop you. Is this from his Wikipedia? Yes. yes. Which right. was definitely written by him. I was just about to say that. He's written his own Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. He's definitely written his own Wikipedia. Little addendums to those things. First of all, playing for the Patriots, he busted his knee in the first game and didn't play for them again. Uh, but the description suggests that had his knee not been busted, he would have been the greatest player of all time. Uh, and then um, he did lead Britain to great success in gridiron, as it described by the yeah. narrator. But it's up it's up against Belgium, Holland, all those mighty forces. Yeah. <laughs> so, But it, it's written as if he's the most important NFL well, coach of I all time. Can I read a bit from his Wikipedia, which is when I was 
became 100% sure yeah. that uh, he uh, had written the Wikipedia himself. Because yeah. it is glowing throughout. So I was reading the section called um, Coaching Career. This was yeah. about him at Chester City. Now, in the documentary early on, it becomes clear he sacked Kevin Ratcliffe, mm-hmm. who is his biggest rival. When they asked Kevin Ratcliffe later in the documentary if he said anything to Terry Smith when they played his new team, Shrewsbury, he said, I've got two words for him. Which, even... You know, lovely bit of... Yeah, it means yeah. fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> just, could you see the cogs turning? Thank you. I was thinking Skull was going, well, what would they be? <laughs> what <could> they be? <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, this is what it says about Kevin Ratcliffe on Terry Smith's Wikipedia page. Manager Kevin Ratcliffe quit the job four games into the season with the team at the bottom of the table having not scored yet in the league, <laughs> attempting to claim £350,000 for a previously unknown contract that the administrator had not even known existed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> An alleged contract that supposedly allowed him to resign by his own choice and still be paid this amount that was equal to more than six years of his managerial salary as a golden parachute severance payment. <laughs> this made the financial situation even more difficult. <laughs> that is not a balanced Wikipedia. <laughs> it's also two sentences. Yeah. The language did not even know existed yet is, is a great, like, really petulant, like a teenager who's kind of you kicking just off. Just imagine Terry Smith swacking away at the keyboard at home. At 4am. The big giveaway that he wrote is Wikipedia is the drop mail section penis size. Have you seen that? Which is um, just says largest on record. That's all it says. Which doesn't say citation needed either. Uh, so, obviously, appointing yourself as manager of a football team when you've got no prior experience is a mad yeah. thing. But and in that same uh, Wikipedia section, um, he explains why he did that. So, they're in financial difficulty. <laughs> it was not possible for Terry to consider hiring a new manager. And so, Smith put together a plan to utilise the assistant coaches that were already in place. So, he, he just made the best of the resources he had. How just so happened just to include assistant. Football. Just appoint an assistant as the manager. Yeah, exactly. That's what any other chairman would do. He's done what all us sort of ex-championship manager managers dreamt of doing, which is basically installing yourself as a manager, despite the fact you've got no real world qualifications. He's he's like he's done this. It's it's kind of it's ballsy to be fair to. I, I admire and you and you'll see as this as the documentary goes on. He kind of he. You've got to admire the guts of the man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite, if not the talent. Did you like him? Did I like him? Because yeah. I I didn't. <sighs> Did I like it? No, I. He's not. Like, no, I didn't like him actually. To be I, honest, I did at the start because I thought yes. this is a guy who's keen. He wants the best for this club, and I think he's in it for the right reasons. Mm. He's a probably way massively naive. Yep. But as the documentary goes on, you realise. Yeah. Well, like not to give it away, but he will eventually sack himself <laughs> and yet remain in the dugout while the new manager's in there. <laughs> you realise this is a bit of an ego trip at this point. He's awful. And he's, he's, he's awful. Not acting. Yeah. I'd love to hear from any chest like. Before we go on, I know we enjoyed this documentary. It's a long time ago for Chester City, so hopefully you can see why it's... For, I imagine it was an awful time to support Chester City. Yeah. Um, so we're not making light of the situation, but yeah. if you did support Chester at the time, I'd love to hear your reaction to whether our interpretations of the events that we watched are fair on yes. Terry Smith. Yeah. Um, can we, we if also, Terry Smith is listening, we'll happily do an episode where we interview you as well. Yeah. I, I think it's important as well to describe what Terry Smith looks like at, at this yeah. point. So he's got a, a haircut that I haven't seen in a long time. No. Like balding on top, but the, yeah. the big like curly uh, mullet at the I'd back. I describe really... it as <clears throat> Frasier Series 1 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sizeable <laughs> patch lacking hair at the front. Yeah. It's like he... He wears a toupee and he's driven to work in a soft top and hasn't realised it's blown off. 
the fact he's stuck with that and hasn't done anything to conceal this sort of huge gap. And it's, oh, the, yeah. thing, the thing about that haircut as well, he's, he knows the ruse because he's always wearing baseball caps at almost yeah. every opportunity. I think it's also worth mentioning uh, what he wears as well to go with, oh, with that look. He, he wears uh, shorts that are too long, white socks pulled up, with those huge white trainers that sort of like American parents wear to Disneyland. You know, those... High tech. High yeah, high tech. tech. Sort of Balenciaga have ripped them off now. They're like massive, it's just awful baggy t-shirts. The Seinfeld. Yeah. The Seinfeld. That's it, it is. Yes, the Seinfeld. Maybe he's a huge fan of 90s American sitcoms. So... <laughs> he just wears Seinfeld trainers. He's got Frasier's hair. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they won hardly any games, but he made loads of wry observations about what it's like to be... <laughs> There's one where he comes dressed in all of Chandler's clothes. <laughs> but yeah, remarkable man. He's, yeah. Can I just talk about the f- opening shot of the documentary? I love the uh, the opening 20 seconds is the best opening 20 seconds yeah. of any football documentary that we've watched. Yeah. Which is football fans literally crying on the pitch <laughs> and screaming while an American man pleads with them to kind of show some kind of respect and sanity. And you just think... How I can't imagine having not known what's going on. I'm like, mm. why am I watching Chester City fans being crying while an American man yeah. pleads to them? This is going to make so much. There's got to be such he's, a story here. He's yelling, uh, "I'm here because I want to be here, not because of the money." Which, to be fair, does that makes sense? <laughs> <laughs> as much as I criticise him, I would say that yeah, it's not sort of the. Uh... The lottery ticket you think it might be, Division 3 football. So Dan Brooks is kind of, what, a kind of Waylon Smithers to his Mr Burns? Yes, exactly. Apparently he has some kind of American football background. I didn't kind of catch what that was. It wasn't very clear, but he's he's sort of, uh, he deals with the marketing of the club. Yeah, commercial director. Commercial director, that's the phrase. So yeah. And there's a wonderful scene where he's in his role as commercial director. He's going to a local business to talk to them about sponsorship. (laughs) And he's telling the guy who owns the company, you'll be able to put your name on our shirts and we'll put like advertising hoardings around that. And you just think, this guy knows that. <laughs> like you, you, it's not part of your job. You have to describe the fundamentals of how football sponsorship yeah, yeah, works. Yeah. He takes the bait, though. He does go for it, he to be fair. So you criticise. <laughs> yeah, he says that's a lovely... Prop- I think he just didn't want to embarrass him in yeah. front of the documentary team. So it's, we should say on that uh, the that guy, there is the greatest twist at the end about what happens to it's him. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll... if you think the sixth sense was kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible. So it starts, and Terry Smith is giving a team talk, and the the voiceover is kind of describing how he's come from American football. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like about the voiceover is whenever it uses an American term, it uses them, whoever it is that does the voiceover, with a total disrespect. Yeah. So they use the word gridiron, gridiron. in the opening sense, like it's a perversion. Like yeah. he's come... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's exactly. Um, it's so... I think at this point, just to give you a flavour of what Terry Smith is like, we should have a little cut of the kind of things he's saying in the dressing room and yeah. on the touchline. Imagine this if you were a player. Remember, we go down the hill first. We got to get scores. We got to get three goals the first half. Getting after them. First half, three goals. You shouldn't be way over here, way out. No. You ought to be getting in the middle of the action. Get in there, guard! Come on, Rafi, drive him down! I can't believe that was an automatic penalty. He's got to send him off on that one. 
Listen, man, the, their whole attack is designed to pull our fullbacks out and then get the ball in the hole. They're doing it two ways. They're going long kicks, and then if you go up and fight for that header with them, he's just flicking it into the hole, and then we're getting in the hole. The other way, just, he's just trying to flick it in the hole. That's, their, that's what all they're trying to do there. You just sit back and let him flick it, and you get it, just like you did that last time. We're not home and dry. Don't relax and think it's our ball game yet. It's not our ball game yet. we got to go out and get him. we got to take it. So there we've got, we need to get into the middle of the action. He pulled his jersey down. They're not putting the ball in the hole. It's not our ball game yet. Right. And that's a (laughs) one-all. Sounds like weird quotes from a badly translated porno. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, well, there's far more than that. It's it's, it's incredible. I I imagine a lot of these phrases worked in the NFL. You'll you'll see kind of... He always says the ball game. The ball game, yeah, yeah. Which is is baseball, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It is, yeah. He's not even got the right American sport. <laughs> like, how much of a chancer is he? Yeah. When he has a guy for... Um, I like... There's another one which we've got to discuss, which is when he says, that was an automatic penalty. An <laughs> <laughs> automatic penalty. Which, in my mind, I imagine isn't even in the area. I, I, you don't see where it is, but I imagine yeah. it's like on the halfway line. He just thinks it's that bad a tackle. It's an automatic penalty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, like when you put the black in pool yeah, and exactly. it's the end of the it's game. <laughs> That was one of his rules he introduced. Yeah. <laughs> there was a black ball, and if you knocked it into the goal, it's an automatic penalty. It's a secondary ball. Um, so, can we talk about what the players must have thought? Like, yeah. think straight away they're like, I am not playing for this guy. Yeah. I think, watching this, and kind of the more we've watched these documentaries and you get an understanding, I think if I was watching that as a fan... And it was happening to my club. I'd be like, "Why aren't the players, you know, not respond? Why aren't the yeah. players saying we won't do this?" But then you realise that these are players who this is their livelihood. Yeah, mortgages, contra- kids, yeah, mortgages, etc. And this is the owner as well as the manager. Yeah, so, so you can't <laughs> do anything about it. You yeah. can't. You you don't care enough. I don't think as a player, and that's not a disrespect. You care more about your family than you do about the managerial direction of Chester City. Completely. Apart from Peter Reid's brother, who's in the side and gets a bit moody occasionally. That's <laughs> Sean Reid. <laughs> that is Sean Reid, yeah. What do you think? Would you have stood for it? I, I mean, you can see in that situation that it's impossible to revolt. Yes. But like, speaking of revolt, like it's within, within 10 minutes of the documentary, you can see the fans. Yeah turning against them. Well, the, the first game, actually, the first game of the thing is a win. The whole documentary is a win. It's um, against Staleybridge Celtic in the yeah. Cup. It starts with the bleakest job I've ever seen, which is a man selling Chester City wigs and teddy bears outside the game. <laughs> yeah. Another little thing to notice about Staleybridge Celtic is the uh, font above their um, the entrance to the ground is in Comic Sans. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least give the illusion that you're trying to play to some high level. What? And she's like, he's got... The owner's got his teenage son to knock up something. <laughs> but it's incredible. But the, the first game but is... But do you reckon yeah. in 1999, Comic Sans was quite and exciting? Maybe, yeah. But now, with our jaded eyes, it seems, uh, <laughs> it seems lazy. But the, but they're, they're, the first game, they're, um, they're drawing at half-time, aren't they? He then sort of... The team talks Yeah, awful. Well, he says in that game... Uh, well, no, before the game, he says, remember, we go down the hill first. We've got to, we've got to get three goals in the first half minimum. That's... Mad. Not how you manage. You don't say we have to get three goals. Mi- I don't think that's the way it works. Is it just state we have to get this amount uh, amount of goals? Yeah, because what you're going to be dealing with disappointment. Yeah, you're not going to. But also, so how sloped is Daily Bridge Celtic's ground that you need 
a three-goal lead because you're going uphill in the second half. <laughs> yeah, that can't. It's a, yeah. That simply can't. Be it's happening. a softly sloped to comic sounds. That is is. <laughs> Look, as he scouted that ground and gone, this is mad. Yeah, we're going to. Hopefully, we need to. You, how important's the toss? Because you want to shoot uphill in the first half. Because then you know what you're aiming at. It's like secondary school. With like, yeah. It's all ground yeah, pitches you pay on then. Unless, unless it's a phrase. I was wondering if it's like an American phrase. We go down. I don't know if as in, it's easier in the first half. Maybe it isn't actually a... Because it seems insane to me that there would be... You'd get that rectified, wouldn't you? A sloped... <laughs> Like, would you not? That had a three goal. Like you're playing Scrooble swing. Scramble. It's not. <laughs> you would get that rectified. Yeah. It's like a Savitio pitch when there's like a fold in it and it would really affect the ball. Um, I heard. I, I did a tour of uh, St. James's Park, Newcastle's ground. And the, the oh. guy who gave the tour told me that what the Gallows Gate end at St. James's Park is at 1.5 metres lower than the other end. What? And that there's been twice as many goals at the Gallows Gate end as the other twice end. Twice as many? That's a do I, know, do I remember this right? Yeah. Well, well, well. Any Newcastle fans? Surely well, the Premiership must have... I, would that be that would mean in the past then? I know. I think until the, the, the to this day. But to this they day. accept that, really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the Wicket at yeah. Lords. Is it Lords or is it the Oval? I don't know. It's def- I think it's Lords. The wicket at Lords goes from left to right. Um, it's better to swing the ball out. Oh, really? I can't remember the exact example of it. But how is this stuff not rectified in professional sport? How well, I think in cricket that- it adds an extra layer. Right. Okay. But tell me this. Would you prefer, if a team got into the Premier League and they had a pitch that went... One goal was ten meters higher than the other. Great. How how much would you love that? <laughs> I mean, that would be preferable for me. I'd have that those the things they have in crafts like tubes that you have to run through and little uh, <laughs> seesaws and pl- plonk some stuff around, make it yeah. And no offense to whoever whichever team I pick, but there's a lot of boring teams in the Premier League. Yeah. So, were I to <laughs> replace, um, were Brighton to be given. Uh, full membership of the Premier League for another 10 years in exchange for having a 10 metre difference between the height of goals. I would back that push. How would you deal with it tactically, out of interest? What would be your approach? Would you play would big you, men? Would you play. I mean, would, would you change you, your team? Well, the, the top, toss of the coin is huge in that yeah. situation. Would it roll away from you for a start? <laughs> How undignified that would be. Chasing a 20p. But would it be difficult to play long ball if you're shooting downhill? Because you'd be, it'd be, you'd be kicking it too high all the time. That's true. Yeah. And would you want to play quick play? What would be the advantage? What would you do? I, what, what? I can't even begin to imagine what you'd do. Yeah. Would you ever attack going uphill, or would it be too much effort so you just clear it and then? I wonder if you could put an offside trap. I'm trying to think how an offside trap might be impacted by playing. What is on the a angle you're field. saying? What angle? Ten, Ten meters. meters. Ten meters. So what? That's what's that degree like? That's. Well, it's over 100 meters, 100, so it's yeah. an incline of one meter for every 10 meters. No, that's so it's a 10 percent incline. The when you're shooting uphill, <laughs> that is. A non-event. Would you not it's even not attack? Happen. It's all about attacking downhill, and then you've just—that's all. It basically so comes exciting. down to. It'd be so exciting. <laughs> be like fifty forty-eight a game or whatever. The news, uh, the news from the ABAX is Brian are six 0 up, and that isn't going to be an easy lead to defend. <laughs> <laughs> In case the Premiership are listening, we should probably say this is our idea. And if you are looking to implement it, contact Josh. One of us will we'll discuss discuss raises. So they, so anyway, they play Staley Ridge Celtic. They don't get their three 0 lead at nope, half time. They don't. They need because they're going uphill in the second half. Yeah, and because they keep, as he quote, as he says, they keep flicking it in the hole. Is what he says over and over again. 
which the players don't understand what it means, and the assistant has to translate basically uh, using two bottles of deodorant on the table. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what it means is they keep knocking it over their heads into the corners near the corner flags as a way of trying to get it, getting it in, p- pulling the full fullbacks forward and knocking it over the top of them. But he keeps saying flicking at the hole. And the play- but this is the thing, as you say earlier, the players don't understand him. And also, in my mind, I imagine as soon as he leaves the room, they're just like, "This is what is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. We yeah. have to manage ourselves. I imagine yeah. that's what it is. Is that sort of... What does he? What do you think he means by the hole? Because, like, I would say the hole is the probably just behind the strikers. No, it's another problem with the pitch. That's totally. <laughs> <awesome. laughs> yeah, the penalty spot is twelve meters deep. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get it in there, the game's ended. That's what it is. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um... But they do win that game two-one. Okay. Yeah. I think it's worth saying. And then he goes to celebrate with the crowd like they've beaten Juventus. In I the know. <laughs> He's He's grabbing them all like high-fiving children. (laughs) (laughs) He shakes every single person's hand in the crowd after the win. And it's an interesting window, that, because it's a brief moment where they seem to kind of like the theatre of it a bit. He feels like a character. This is obviously before it's all gone wrong. Yeah. So this is the beginning, and the fans are reacting with warmth to him. They're like, Terry, they're hugging, and they're all, there's a sort of yeah. fun to it, a pantomime uh, to it. Yeah, and I kind of think with football, if you win, like, that's half... I mean, that's the battle, isn't it? Like, mm. if he'd have won all these games, we wouldn't be, like... I'm sure we wouldn't be talking about Terry Smith. There's a lot of points when, later in the documentary, where he's trying to kind of justify his methods. Yeah. But they're just not backed up by results, so yeah. it's it's total madness what he's doing. Yes, but yeah. no acknowledgement that what he's doing is, is, is terrible. No, no, which is what's amazing. They're bottom really. of the league. Yeah. So exactly. he keeps saying that they're improving, and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't matter if you're bottom. Um, Ian Atkins went on to say uh, later that he didn't understand the fundamentals of football. Like he was, he, he loved analytics and stat and stats. So I guess that's what American football mm, is, is yeah. good for that stuff. But he gave the example: um, they had lost to Leighton Orient under under him, oh, yeah. but they'd beaten Leighton Orient under Ian Atkins later in the season. But uh, Te- Terry Smith was fuming because he'd had more possession when they lost. <laughs> And he was telling the extra, well, we had more possession when we lost, but you had less possession today and you that won. Could be so could traded in at the end of the season for some extra points. It's all tough and enough. Atkins had to explain that it's yeah. not always about possession. So, so they, they go into a school, don't they? Yeah, so that, straight after away the after first that. game we cut to... Their the, main effort to try and get more fans. Yeah, which, which is school visits. Um, and... Terry gives a wonderful explanation as to why they're bottom of the league. To uh, just remember, he's answering a school child when you hear yeah. this. Oh, we're 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 working our way up, but we're um, but we're we started out slowly because the thing was that, as you know, the club uh, had some difficulty last year, and then um, we've just come in this year, and so it's our first year in, um, and so we're trying, so it's building up and to to get better. So by the end of the year, we hope to be in a position for um, right near the top. So, so essentially, there's a bit. Of, there's like there's a bit there where he tells it tells the kids that their parents have to take them to Chester, and the then they're, are, like they're over all wearing like Liverpool shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the kid who asks where where are you in the leagues in a Man United shirt, absolute <laughs> slam as well. He just he knows where they are in the league. And like uh, Terry's level of spin for this school child, like well, yeah, we were on the way up. Just say you're bottom. Yeah, yeah. Like, just say you're, you're down there. Can I just read a thing on the similar th- subject? Because I read an article about Chester City afterwards. So one of the reasons Terry Smith came in is the, the previous owner was probably worse than Terry Smith and had left them in a seriously bad mm. position. The fans t- had backed Terry Smith buying the club to save them. Yeah. But this gives you an idea of how good the previous owner was. So 
Owner Mark Goodman had planned for Chester City to establish themselves as a feeder club to Manchester City in 1996. The idea was quickly put to bed when he was when he was petitioned for bankruptcy, and it became apparent that Man City board didn't want anything to do with it. He later get him, got himself in hot water with a publicity stunt that backfired. Season ticket holders of clubs outside the third division were allowed into the Diva Stadium free of charge. A plan which was supposed to lure in hordes of local Man United, Liverpool, Man City and Everton supporters, but went sour when it became <coughs> apparent large sections of what would have been the paying crowd were turning up with and not paying to get in <laughs> using season tickets of friends. No. So his idea was like, if you had a Man U season ticket, you'd come free. But Chester City fans are like, I've got a mate who's a Man U season ticket. Yeah, I'll just yeah, use yeah. his season ticket. To <laughs> I assume you were going to say that they turned up in shirts, as in the shirts of the relevant clubs. That's why I, that's why I laughed. I thought, oh, they're going to be turning up in sort of <laughs> Leeds shirts or <laughs> Arsenal shirts as a way to... But that's amazing. So, so even the club, when they were struggling down at the bottom, people were, you know, yeah. people, eh? Ugh. I know. And, I mean, the story of Chester, I mean, it gets worse after Terry Smith, but I'm sure we'll get onto that in time. So he goes into school to do this talk. Yeah. It doesn't go brilliantly. Also, <laughs> you just think, is there any other chair- chairman... Who is doing school tours? Yes. <laughs> Have exactly. I misjudged that? Like, why are you hitting a section of the public who have no money? <laughs> 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 like eight-year-old children are not going to bankroll your club. I love the fact Junior Agogo's there, who actually is a player I sort of remember from yeah, yeah, old yeah. football manager and stuff. But he's head in his hands when the kid asks, "What? Where are we in the league?" And he's like, "Oh god!" <laughs> <laughs> like literally, that is you know you've got us there, kid. But um, it's a remarkable decision. I know. Like but, uh, their theory is clearly to get the pe- the kids to tell their parents to take them to Chester. Yes. What my parents would have been fuming if I said the school today had a chairman from a different club. <laughs> And he told me that yeah. I've got. You have to take me to see Chester. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. They'd be down the school, yeah. complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a weird that, talk. That's to terrible. Do. But I wonder if it was part of like a deal. So they'd go and they'd do a bit of training, and as a kind of make weight for that, he got to do his little spiel about how they should come to Chester City. Yes. Yeah, don't blackmail them. Just tell them it's a. But they keep doing because he goes back to a school later in the documentary, doesn't he? And they yeah. have a kick around with the kids. One of the kids yeah. takes a penalty, hits the striker in the balls, yeah. <laughs> and they all laugh. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's great TV. So after the school visit, uh, A, we see some training, uh, which Terry just kind of walks, walks around at, like a kind of ghost. You know his big idea in that, they say, is uh, it's... <laughs> The big change is now they implement six-hour training sessions. Oh, yeah. Too long. I don't know anything about football, but that is... You shouldn't be able to watch Shawshank twice. That is too, too long. Like, if you're... Well, they, mean, they wouldn't have been professional, technically. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. be professional players. Yeah, would be. But yeah, six yeah. hours of Why non-stop tired? training. I've done 30 hours running this week. <laughs> 3,000 penalties. I hope you get one. But, yeah... Um, so then they play Man City in mm. one of the cups, I presume. I don't yes. know which cup it is. FA Cup third round. FA Cup third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ask uh, the Smithers character, I can't remember what he's called. Uh, Dan Brooks. Dan Brooks. They ask uh, what his prediction is. This is a point <laughs> I always surprise me. You know when people ask for predictions in football matches and they give a really precise prediction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what a bizarre... <laughs> like, if I asked... If I was asked, what do you reckon will happen in this football match? I go, I reckon England might win that. But he says, it'll be two all and we'll score an injury time. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Yeah. I think, wow, 
the best we can hope for is that we're losing going to, into the end. It's such a weird, precise thing. It's, people, yeah. Fans always do they that. They do, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite surprised he came up with the phrase injury time as well. I assumed he'd get that complete, like, yeah. overtime. Oh, that's actually the correct <laughs> phrase. Yeah, overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so he but, thinks, yeah, three two, doesn't he? An inch, two all, two, two all, then three two, nick it. No, no. Oh, does he think it's a two all? Two all, just two all. We'll just equalise. Doesn't even think they'll win. No. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Always surprises me that yeah. bit. Um, and then they uh, they're just awful, aren't they? Lose. Well, it's one all at half time. It's one all at half time. Yeah, and he says to uh, the uh, the manager, what's his name? Terry comes out, speaks to the players, and says it's like running a marathon. You've got to push yourself through the wall, keep pushing, keep pushing. You'll remember this in fifty years. Uh, hard cut to them losing four <laughs> one, uh, which is so it all kind of collapses around them. Um, but yeah, I mean, but this this is kind of the first proper team to what you see giving, where it's that sort of like American striding around. It's clearly it's like an NFL style, like of doing any given it. Sunday. Yeah, it really that's exactly what it's like. It, like it's really inspirational stuff about when you're older and you look back in your careers, you whatever it happens to be. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, he probably imagined there'd be sort of swelling classical yeah. music, people crying, but obviously this is, it doesn't doesn't really work like that. You've just got Peter Reed's brother looking nonplussed, and then. <laughs> Struggling to get on some tiny shin pads, I don't know why. And then, yeah, and then they lose four one. But that's the thing; he has this mentality of sort of like the the real yeah. American style G up. You can do this. This is your big moment. Which and just never works. And then you get to the next scene, yeah, which is a, a fans meeting in the club bar. Mm-hmm. Um, Love this, which is the most depressing pub, pub club bar I've ever almost, seen. There's a, my favorite is detail. There's a lot. It looks like. Um, there was a period when my dad uh, was into pigeon racing, <laughs> and it looks like the kind of place that they'd have their pigeon club meetings. <laughs> are the pigeons there? Are they? Are they? <laughs> they sat in little stalls and kind of chewing yeah. it. Um, there's a kid there eating a bag of crisps, and yep. on the crisps, the brand is crisps. <laughs> <laughs> it just says on it, crisps. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's like an alternative universe. Yeah. Universe, well, it's like they've um, got the crisps, but they couldn't clear walkers. Yeah. So the props have had to make something that he could hold in shot that doesn't have a brand on it. And they've, they've just written crisps. On his feet, yeah. On his feet, it just says trainers on the side of it. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think of this meeting, Chris? I feel so sorry for the supporters of this football team. You yeah. see, the, yeah. you see, you know, they're all like they're all really sensible football Completely. fans in a way that you don't really see in the Premier League. Like, I think down the leagues, they're all in it purely for passion. Yes. They've got no other motive than they want the best for this football t- team, and they're all quite well spoken. And um, the, the, the woman who sat at the end smoking a cigarette yeah. like, with her legs crossed, and she's the one who says, um, "What he knows about football could be put on a." Postage stamp referring to Terry Smith, and she's completely bang on. Yeah, she hits on it. The line before that, I find almost more damning, which is, "He is not a manager. He does not know anything about football." (laughs) Which is what a thing to hit. Like if you imagine a well-known manager now being sacked or being questioned, he does not know anything Anything about about football. football. But you're quite right. But there there is a sort of there's a genuine heart to these people. They do love their club, and it must be sort of absolutely heart wrenching to see someone who doesn't understand the game and won't relinquish control. And so frustrating. I remember when we had a bad chairman at Plymouth in the nineties, 
and there's nothing. He feel you feel so powerless. Completely. You feel absolutely powerless. Especially when these supporters have backed Terry Smith to get him into a position where he became the owner. They they helped fund his takeover. Yes, yeah. It's, it's then, heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And I think as well... Imagine like, backing someone who then makes themselves the manager. <laughs> I know, and he's mad. Uh, mad American. Yeah. Didn't and, I mention I was going to make myself the manager? <laughs> <laughs> Did oh, I not? I'm also oh. playing in the hole just behind the. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you always, I always think about like I thought about those people at the end of the documentary. You know, yeah. and it, it does end sadly for Chester. But you think w- when a club's in crisis, can you not always tell? Like it's so obvious that those people in that room they were doing everything they could yeah. to avert this crisis, and nothing could be done seemingly to avert it. It was like I wonder as if a there's fan, ever been a club where the fans have been that frustrated with an owner. Who has then turned it round, like completely turned it round? Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, mm. there's Mike Ashley is a sort of a, there's a degree of no, they haven't turned. No, it No, that's around. what I'm saying. But that, oh, that right. frustration oh, is yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. what the Newcastle fans feel with yeah, this person who won't relinquish control, doesn't <laughs> put enough money in every season. It's like, <laughs> please, please, and that must be that must be awful. It yeah, must be, it must be awful. And but you see how detached he is from. What they think, because afterwards it says they basically they offer, they say they want to meet him, they want to have a fan meeting. He refuses to do it, um, and then they interview him afterwards, and he says the supporters are making assumptions based on a complete lack of knowledge of what's going on. You're bottom of the league. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a complete lack of knowledge of what's no. going on. You're losing consistently. <laughs> They're basing it on rash, rashly looking That's at results and performance, and they want something different. It's not like you don't understand. Oh, you, I've improved his right foot. You don't see. That. Yeah, you just exactly. See losing five. It's you're losing all the time. It's mad. It's well, absolutely mad. Well, it sounds bleak, but I, I refer you to Terry Smith's Wikipedia on this specific <laughs> phase, which says using a low budget strategy, along with increasing revenue for, through excellent cup runs in the FA Cup and the Worthington Cup, and with increased attendance and commercial advertising, Smith was able to get all the club's debts paid off within only six months, which was two years earlier than the administration required. Yeah. Uh, small footnote on that: they didn't file accounts for three years. <laughs> Yes. Amazing. Uh, He also ends it, first time the club was out of debt for the first time in at least many decades, possibly in history. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally untrue. Fundamentally, I cannot believe the Wikipedia pages. But but anyway. Did you see, not to sort of reveal the most amazing thing on the Wikipedia, I'm sure you read it. Um, He appointed captains for uh, defence, midfield and attack. (laughs) Well, you say, you bring this up. Yeah. So this is another clip relating to Terry Smith's time at Chester City that I found. I think this is from something like Football Focus. My name's Ross Davidson, captain of Chester City Football Club. My name's Nick Richardson, I'm the captain of Chester City Football Club. My name's Luke Beckett, and I'm the captain of Chester City Football Club. Will the real captain of Chester City please step forward? Strange, but true. A club with three captains and five coaches, but no manager. The side picked by its American chairman, applying gridiron principles to his first experience of English football. Good work, good work, good work! Miss anybody? I'll just go, just go real quick through our through the points. All right, back four. Remember, playing basic four four two rules. Martin's an expert. Basic four four two rules. We're playing basic four four two rules. <laughs> Um, if you weren't, let's say, so he's playing four four two. If you're not the captain of the strikers, how heartbreaking that is! <laughs> <laughs> the 
fifty percent chance. How much your strike partner will be pulling rank? Just remind you. <laughs> you are literally. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. I hadn't thought of it. Like I that. own you. Basically. <laughs> Do they all wear our captain's armbands on the pitch? I couldn't work that out from the documentary. They toss the coin together, all three of them. <laughs> but also, he, yeah. he's overthought how much the captain matters. Yeah. So he's made an issue where there isn't one. Yeah, 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 entirely. Around this time, we find out that the previous manager, Kevin Ratcliffe, says, you know, Terry uh, Smith came in. his arch nemesis. Yeah. Terry Smith came in and made loads of promises. He said we were going to buy some internationals. He mentioned a lad from Iceland. The, the banter in the dressing room was, we're going to sign another lad from Tesco's next week. Great. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Is that a joke? I, I was wondering, is that a joke about Terry Smith being a bullshitter? Or is that a joke about how absurd it is to have someone from Iceland? I read it as slightly hateful towards other, <laughs> other nations. <laughs> like the idea idea that someone from Iceland could be any good. Yeah, do you reckon Kevin Ratcliffe was sat watching the Euro 2016 going, that joke doesn't look so good anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also at a point that Ida Johnson would have been at his pommel. Your <laughs> Chester City yeah. or whoever he would have been then later, wouldn't he? In Orient, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, Shrewsbury Town. Shrewsbury Town, yeah. The, one, of the, you know, one of the best strikers in Europe was from Iceland, but yeah. I, I'm not quite sure about that. That's sort of, uh... It was a weird moment, that, in the documentary. It was, yeah. but the, I, for me, the weirdest moment, I think they're getting ready for the big game, Chester versus Leighton Orient, a re- big relegation game. What song are they playing in the dressing room beforehand? Oh. Mambo number five. No, Mambo number five. <laughs> that, is ne- that has never G'd up anyone ever. <laughs> Apart from maybe Lou in Vega. In the dressing room, yeah. before the game, they're listening yeah. to Mambo Number 5. And the only reason you hear them listening to Mambo Number 5 is they have to stop it to do the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... Yes. Oh, yes. So bizarre. No, I've got obviously nothing against uh, anyone who's religious, but yeah. it is so bizarre in, a, in the UK footballing dressing room. Yes. To be... A, playing Mambo number five, B, stopping it to all say the Lord's Prayer together. But it isn't even like he's decided this is what he, he says to his assistant manager. He says, here in, in England, do you ever just, do you ever say the Lord's Prayer? Because we, we do that all the time in America. So if it's the epitome of just clutching at straws. Yeah. He's gone, maybe God will help. <laughs> well, it's, I'm, I'm not one to, you know, write Richard Dawkins next book for him, but... <laughs> Purely on a statistical level, it doesn't yeah. look good for God if the only team that says the Lord's Prayer are bottom of the whole football league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a 92nd out of 92. Yeah, completely. Like, <clears throat> if they were mid-table, I'd go, well, you know, that you can't, you can't do everything. You can't win them yeah. the Champions League. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's remarkable. So they all bow their head and he sort of stands in the middle of them and then there's that sort of like awkwardness that's just finished and they sort of file out, but... This is he's he's completely detached with what the players from what the players actually want at all points, and this is kind of yeah the epitome of it, really. Isn't it? What's the score at half time? They are losing two 0 They're losing two 0 at half time, and he says we are one goal away from this being anyone's ball game. Is his, his phrase, yes. and they do get that goal. And he says he get describe... a goal, and then another one after that. <laughs> <laughs> he also describes them in a word never used uh, outside of the chess industry. As you've played a lousy game. He does, yeah, 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 yeah. It's final score in this game. Chester yeah. 1, Leighton Orient 5. At home to Leighton Orient, who were bottom. And um, in the dressing room after the game, his words are, the most pitiful damn effort I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he actually begins it really passively, aggressively. Okay, thank you, thank you. For the most pitiful damn effort <laughs> I've ever seen. Thanks, thanks. You're like, oh, yeah. what? It's, really the most pa- it's the most passive-aggressive thing since, uh, in one of these documentaries, uh, 
after when Graham Taylor thanks the, gets the linesman to thank the referee for costing him his job. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, as, Terry, as Terry Smith goes down the, the tunnel after the game, he's lost 5-1. He's confronted by two people leaning over the tunnel. Yeah. The first person says to him, please, Terry, go. Really polite. Yeah. And then Terry walks a couple of paces <laughs> to the guy behind him who says, why don't you just piss off? <laughs> And slaps him on the back as well. <laughs> what a mixed message. There's also a really brutal bit. They're quite cruel in this section of the... Of the well, he's uh, ruining the club. He is, no, not, ruining... not the supporters. In the documentary, oh, they yeah. really stick the knife in. And they have a quote from him, sort of like during the late Orient game. They cut away to him discussing how he feels he's been treated. And he says, over here, there's a tendency to take a, player, a, per, a person who is a good player and then make them into a manager. But coaching and playing are very different things. And then they cut to him failing to control a ball on the training pitch. <laughs> He sort of bounces past him and he lifts his leg like sort of, you know, when you're, you imagine sort of, you're walking through the park and some kids are playing football and they kick the ball in your direction and you think, this is, I hope I deal with this. With some dignity. <laughs> hope a, I manage to trap he it. totally misjudges Completely the misses it. Yeah, it's so amazing. Um, but yeah, and, and then yeah, you're quite right. So we, the, 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 he sacks himself after this. He sacks himself. Sacks himself. With, rightly so. Yeah. I don't think, he's just awful. Yeah. I don't like like talking about this now. I'm just like this guy. What's he doing? Why does he care about Chester City? Yeah. Why does he care about ruining Chester City? Because he's got an ego. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Really, I think he he. Well, I've read his Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, but he's so de- desperate to sort of prove them wrong. There's such there's there's a lacking there. There's something there where it's kind of Awareness. an itch he can't scratch. Where he's just kind of he needs to prove to them they're wrong. He can do this. He has this attitude. If you can believe in anything, you can whatever. Uh, which means he just won't let go. He won't admit he's wrong. And it just it's just it becomes worse and worse and worse. So Terry Smith sacks himself. He appoints Ian Atkins, uh, a manager of decent pedigree at this point. <laughs> yeah. But what does Terry do? Terry Smith surely now he's going to go up to the boardroom and assume the role of an owner. Wrong. He's in the dugout from now on, <laughs> <laughs> sitting right beside Ian Atkins. And there's you, they, it's not explicit, but there does seem to be tension between them. Yeah. Like I'm not sure Ian was sold on this as an no. idea. Well, at the the sort of a. Uh, at the board meeting where they have all the fans there to introduce the fans forum the fans forum to introduce Ian uh, he sat next to Terry Smith and uh they say to Ian, what do you reckon will happen? And he says, well, one thing for sure, I think the, the lower down clubs will now know they're in for a scrap, whereas two weeks ago, they might have thought Chester's a club that's only going down. Yeah. And he sat next to the guy that was managing him two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Absolute, such a slam. His little American eyes got squint. He looks so, it's, so clearly has no respect. This is day one, and he has no respect yeah. for his, for his uh, yeah. the owner of the club. Um, they have a little, uh, like, kind of um, a Q&A with the fans. Mm. And one of the fans says, um, Ian, can you assure me that Terry isn't picking the team like why is he in the dugout yeah. and, and um, Ian says so, well Sam Herman sits in the dugout for Wimbledon and uh, they do alright I'd never heard of this no. I didn't know did you know Sam no. so I looked it up yeah. Sam Herman would sit in the dugout yeah, yeah, yeah. on occasion would and it? it was there was one there's, I, I, I don't understand the context but there's pictures of Sam Herman at Old Trafford wrestling with security guards because he's like over celebrated in the dugout wow um, really so Sam Herman he's like I mean, so would he have any say in it? No, I think. I mean, well, from what Bobby Gould alluded to, I think he is—he's definitely having some sort of input. Yeah, yeah. This is your. Didn't he say to Bobby Gould, "This is my football club, not yours." <laughs> so, so the fans only are basically knows, saying, that's a story for another day. The fans are basically saying, "Please 
tell us that, you know, just Terry will not have anything to do with it. And then they cut to the back of the room at the fun forum and Terry's stood there in a baseball cap. <laughs> yeah, in like the shadows. Terry. So Ian, Ian Atkins is being interviewed by the fans. This is not the yeah. unveiling. This is yeah. later on. Yeah. And they're oh, all yeah. just slagging Terry off. Yeah. Ian Atkins fine with it. And then the cut to the back of Terry stood at the back in his baseball cap was one of the bleakest things. Do you think the fans knew he was there? Oh, surely. They must be so know. sick of... This is the moment at which I was like, I'm so sick of Terry Smith. Like, yeah. I, like actually, yeah. he's not in this for the right reasons anymore, I'm not sure. Like, and as a fan... You say that, but in the next scene, he does another go. school visit. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, another school visit. You're not even the manager anymore. You're just the chairman. Yeah. Imagine if you found out that, to give you an example, John Henry was going around the schools of Liverpool or like <laughs> Sheikh Manzor was going around the schools of <laughs> South Manchester doing talks. Like it makes no sense. It makes yeah. absolutely no Trying sense. Trying to get kids in. Yeah. yeah. So you must get your parents to bring you to Man City. So there's a line in this documentary the narrator delivers, which is a line we've heard again and again in almost every documentary we've done. Um, But it's a a context specific to Chester. And he says, Carlisle is a game they simply can't afford to lose. Well, we've been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just to add a little context. So Carlisle versus Shrewsbury. This is like the second from last game of the season, isn't it? Or is this the last game? No, last game is uh, Peterborough. Yeah, this is like the second or third to last game. They absolutely have to win this game against Carlisle to to be in the hunt and have a realistic chance of survival. We've seen sort of footage of the team training hard uh, with uh, Terry also depressingly at the training sessions with a clipboard as he always is just <laughs> yeah. like but leaning on the post in the court it's really yeah, it's it's always so has to be there always has to be in the sort of like You know when a manager is sometimes a manager we've kind of Realised managers aren't at all the training sessions. Yeah, why is the chairman there? Surely he's got better things to do with yeah. his time. Absolutely bizarre. But so he's but he's watching, writing things down on this. He always has this clipboard, which I find amazing. I I, I did some googling about him afterwards. There's one thing uh, Chester City fans might, I'm sure, will know about this. Apparently, it's quite a famous thing. When Chester played uh, Dunstan United once uh, in the FA Cup third qualifying round, it was wet and windy, but uh, he was stood on the sidelines and he felt he couldn't see the match enough. So he climbed on top of the clubhouse to watch it. So there's footage of him stood up on a corrugated iron roof with, with his clipboard in hand in like oh really God. gusty wind and sort of like, the fans hate you already and there you are. Sort of. Oh my God. But um, yeah. So. He's just mad. So it's just... Going from bad to worse. Ian Atkins' form picks up, but then they get to the Carlisle game. Yeah. yeah. Needless to say, they lose. I didn't even make a note of the score. The main note I made was at halftime, they cut to the kind of director's lounge. And there's two men um, looking at a big screen showing teletext. Oh, yeah. And what are they doing it? They're stood up eating soup from a bowl with a spoon, which is just the most undignified. And on the side of the bowl, it says soup. <laughs> As is the way with this. It's club. just a really undignified yeah, yeah, yeah. way to eat your soup. Just, <laughs> it's not the. It's not Who the, are they? Because also, I think that <clears throat> that looks like it's sort of the, the where they have the guests and the, the uh, mm. like the sweet for is sort of. Yeah, it's like the sponsors or whatever. Exactly, they're laying on the soup. It, it might have been the of... guy earlier who heard he could get his name on the shirt. <laughs> so I think this they. It isn't included I, in the documentary. They, they win lose, a couple of games. They after do lose. 
uh, conceding a goal two minutes into injury time. Oh. Yeah. And it cuts to the dugout. Two minutes into injury time, they concede a goal. And everyone's distraught, apart from Terry, who's giving a kind of motivational clap and saying, we can do this. And yeah. you're like, you're mad. Yeah. You've just gone 1-0 down on the 92nd <laughs> minute. Just... Not now, Terry. Not now, Terry. You're not even in the management team. So somehow, they, they lose to Carlisle in the last minute. There's obviously the distraught after the game, but they, they pull a couple of results together, and somehow they find themselves in the last game of the season with a, a realistic chance of survival. Yep. Um, Can I just make a point just before this game? Ian Atkins is interviewed about relegation to the conference. And Ian Atkins comes out of the documentary quite well. But there's a mad section where he argues that the quality of the teams yep. in the conference are just as good. So relegation isn't really that bad. <laughs> yeah, she dumped me, but actually being single is kind of cool now. And like with, with Tinder and stuff, you can just kind of meet people. It's just great. It's a great place. <laughs> but he says, like, the teams are just as good. The main issue is that it's not called the Football League. Oh, yeah. it, was called, it was called, like, Division 5. Then we'd be fine with it. But the grounds like, are better. A lot you're of players still are better. a league below. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <coughs> they've just rebadged it. Yeah, yeah they've just rebadged. Actually, pretty much all the the, the, the leagues are the same. Pretty yeah. much the Premiership. What is a league? Also, it's just words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just words. Yeah. Do you know if you turn the newspaper up the other side, other way up, then we're top of the league. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the big game, Peterborough at home. Ian Atkins, who's the manager at the time, interviewed many years later, gives you some context as to what was happening in the team mm-hmm. in the days previous. Their star striker is a guy called Angus Eva, that's oh, yeah. who they'd signed. He said, I was told a couple of days before the match that he was off playing somewhere with Trinidad and Tobago. I couldn't believe it. Here we were preparing for probably the biggest game in the club's history, and we were without one of our better strikers because he was on international duty. We were frantically ringing round trying to get hold of him. We did eventually get in touch with him, with one of his teammates who was waiting for a plane the airport with him angus wouldn't speak to us though and that was the last we heard of him so we went (laughs) in continues we went into the game with the lad terry signed steve finney starting up front for us he'd hardly had a kick since i got there hadn't scored all season and yet we were relying on him to help keep us in the league things got worse on the day of the game though I had a phone call from Matt Doherty who'd been great for us all season saying he couldn't play he'd been arrested after getting into a fight on a night out in his hometown and was sitting in a police cell I knew as soon as I heard this that things were not destined to go in our favour against Peterborough well none of that's in the documentary none of that um, we should just say they're playing against Peterborough, managed by Barry Fry, who doesn't make an appearance, disappointingly. Yeah. I was hoping for a crossover documentary <laughs> appearance from Barry Fry. Um, but in the Peterborough lineup that day is a man whose name I can't believe hasn't come up b- before on this podcast that of Gareth Jellyman. Oh, yeah. Gareth Jellyman. Left back. Yeah, I think so. I went on Gareth. I I haven't thought about Gareth Jellyman in years. So I went on his Wikipedia. He's got a whole section of his Wikipedia dedicated to how silly his name is. (laughs) It begins Jellyman's name is homophonic with jelly. Yeah. Which sounds the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the subject of numerous jokes. This was no, this most notably appeared on Sky Sports Soccer Saturday, in which presenter Jeff Stelling said, "Oh no, Gareth Jellyman's been sent off at Oxford. Let's hope he hasn't thrown a wobbly." Nice, lovely, nice. Lovely. 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 Imagine lovely. that the, thing um, on your Wikipedia. The Jellyman sounds like a sort of a, a scary <laughs> as a kid from X Files. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> You'd be there'd be rumours around that when you if you're outside in a, in a field near after midnight, the Jellyman would get you. <laughs> <laughs> 
come and hack you down or something. <laughs> um, Gareth Jellyman plays Peterborough, who yeah. uh, obviously aren't really the story. The story is that Shrewsbury, who is managed by Kevin Ratcliffe, mm-hmm. who is his big rival, it's either them or Chester to go down, amazingly. Shrewsbury are at Exeter. Let me take you through the final day, as I remember it from the documentary. The key thing isn't really Chester's game. No. The key bit is the news coming through from Shrewsbury. So at half-time, Shrewsbury and Exeter are drawing. Then Shrewsbury go ahead, and you think, Chester are doomed here. Then the unthinkable happens, and it cuts to Terry pumping his arms (laughs) at the crowd. And below it says, the news has come through that Exeter have equalised. And then it just says, it wasn't true. <laughs> They'd actually scored. <laughs> it was what it like it was one of the the whole crowd are cheering and it's one of those last day rumours that you don't yeah. get anymore. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. swept a stadium and everyone is in the misheld belief that results <laughs> elsewhere are going there, oh. have gone their way. <laughs> and it's is, absolutely not true. There's a, a uh, twenty second window where the, uh, that group of people are the happiest they will ever be. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose there's there's some kind of joy in the fact in that brief pocket of time. They did feel something. They did feel an absolute yeah. joy. It's well, hard I, to do you know what I'd compare it to from my own football life? The only comparable false news that I've ever received was when Raheem Sterling scored after two minutes in the first game of the 2014 oh, yeah. World Cup. <laughs> and then it even went up on the score thing and then it just hit the side oh, netting. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't... That, that for me was like... I can't believe that isn't talked about more. As a moment, yeah, in the worst World Cup we've ever had. After two minutes, we thought we were one 0 up, and it had even gone up on the score. Yeah, and that was in 2014. If you were a Chester City fan, would you have wanted, retrospectively, would you have been glad that brief window of confusion was there, so you get to feel that? No, it's more painful. Or, do you reckon it is? Yeah, yeah, it is more painful, isn't it? It's more painful. But um, well, it's better than loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Is it better? <laughs> Is it better for Exeter to have scored yeah. and not than never to have scored at all? But um, I think psychologically as well, like people just, how does it work? Does it just, you see people cheering and just want to believe? Like, surely there's, no one, surely there's enough cynical people in there, but especially supporting but if, Chester but if, at that point. Say if, if people are, the word, I imagine there's normally someone with a little radio at that time, wasn't there? Yeah. <clears throat> so if the word's passing around, you would believe it. You're not going to be cynical. You're just, it's, a, it, it's very hard to get that fact wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but they have somehow managed <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then, and then the uh, little Aston comes on the bottom to say actually it was wrong, as you say, and it's just and, a, and it's they cruel. do get relegated, and yeah. it just kind of fades into black, really, doesn't it? And it, and it just says what happens well, after um, the uh, documentary uh, ended. So, what, what are you feeling at this point? Did you feel they did? They did with these things. I've never seen one where they re- avoid relegation. Peterborough, yep, or Doncaster, or Graham Taylor not making the World Cup, or Sunderland getting relegated. I've never seen one of these with a happy ending. Hmm. Apparently, if he, if um, Ian had been in, basically from the point Ian came in and managed to the end, had it just been him uh, and those results, they'd have been seventh in the table, which is cruel. So he did really well. The form yeah. was really strong comparatively. What yeah. screwed this up was the ego of this man yeah. who was unwilling to see his own failings. And it's a remarkable sort of document yeah. of someone's, you know. Absolutely. But the madness of him. <clears throat> Accepting the cameras in sums it up for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the in, that's another one where it went wrong. Literally every single one. The um, the fans on the pitch at the end of that game. I mean, real grief, like yeah. proper grief, because they like they know 
like they're not coming back the next season and they don't yeah, all obviously. three captains weeping <laughs> 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 throwing off their three arm brands <laughs> um shall we, shall we talk about the postscript to the doc the documentary yeah, yeah. it's the best bit so uh, so it just says what everyone's been up to <coughs> since kevin ratcliffe who left earlier in the season replaced by terrorism's magic but kept uh, shrewsbury up he kept him up got a 200 grand payout the next day after hey! chester went down yeah um yeah. Dan Brooks, the commercial director, now manages the girl band Perfect Ten <laughs> in one of the weirdest postscripts to any football documentary ever. Definitely perfect ever. Perfect Ten, the, the girl perfect band. Perfect Ten, yeah. What a decision. Do you know anything about Perfect Ten? They've got three captains. They've got three. <laughs> the Perfect Ten's Maradona, isn't it? That's what it was. Yeah. Um, was he number ten? He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect Ten, girl band. What does no, it say? Nothing. 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 No. What a decision. Yeah, incredible. Who would be your favourite, um, let's just say, chairman to leave and uh, manage a boy band or girl band? Girl band. Yeah. Um, Sheikh Mansour? Sheikh Mansour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every time. Um, what did you think of it as a documentary? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Re- I did enjoy it. I, did, I felt awfully for the fans. Yeah. I thought, what did I think? It was fascinating, but it's just—it's just kind of remarkable that someone could be so stubborn and so sure of themselves that they're. I, th- I think as well, like watching that, I think sm- smaller teams—if you can use that term—in the lower leagues, they're fighting for their survival, their yeah. existence, uh, like the whole time, and what that means to the community. And I think they were in such trouble that when Terry Smith came along, it must have been harder the way it ended because they think. He's, this is a guy, an American, is a bit glamorous. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. hope of that situation, and for it to be so much worse yeah. than like it seemed, it, you know, the previous situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! And then they go down. There's where plen- are Chester City now? Where, where are they? Well, do you want to know what happens to the characters uh, depicted in this documentary yes. afterwards? Yeah. So um, Ian Atkins left the club after relegation. Uh, it was replaced with uh, a gentleman by the name of Graham Barrow, who's a popular figure with supporters. Um, but Graham Barrow had, a, had to endure very difficult <laughs> circumstances himself. He, um, Terry Smith suspended Barrow's assistant Paul Beasley for playing from playing for failing to stand in the correct position at a set piece. <laughs> and he banned Barrow from speaking to the press without his permission. Oh my god! Bit of bit controlling. Yep. I think it's fair to say. Do you want to know how Terry Smith's reign came to an end? Yes, yes. he did leave in October two thousand one uh, to return to his homeland to work as a teacher. Really? Why he loves schools? <laughs> Perfect. And Bill Belchick over, didn't he? He has the. Uh, uh, yeah, it's. I, uh, it's a bleak old. It's, that's what that is. What it is. That's, that's exactly what it felt like. But um, good to be able to watch it. Yeah. Well, Chester, they they, uh, they ended up going bust, I think it was, in, in 2010, but they're back as as Chester FC. and uh, Great. Yeah, they're in another conference. There we go, the conference, which, as we know, is as good as the Premier League, according to Ian Atkins. <laughs> Tom Crane, thank you very much. Pleasure. Let's say, for instance, Sean Reed was our captain. He's injured now, but he was our captain. He was in midfield. There's a lot of times in a, in a, in a game whenever all the other players can't hear him. He might be up front, and the back four obviously can't hear him there. He might have chased the ball back into the back. The strikers can't hear him. So really, um, there is no confusion at all on, on it at all. I mean, we obviously have we have one captain who's the overall captain, and then we have a captain that's a captain of, of, of each segment of the field.
Thank you to Tom Crane for watching that documentary. One day we're going to run dry of those documentaries. <laughs> uh, before we go, we have to do Review Haiku. Yes, every week we ask you to leave your reviews on iTunes in the form of a haiku. We pick our favourites, and if you're selected, you win a Graham Says Hit Les Mug. I've got two for you this week, gentlemen. I begin with this, from WRJ1506, who says, Hail Gus Caesar, a murder of Jason Crows. Stand up, Glenn Helder. Billy Johnson. Very good. Very nice. And we've got this, uh, a reference, of course, to Nigel Martin's preference for drinks. Nigel's at the bar. Pint of your finest, landlord. Fat or semi-skim. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Great. It's got to be that one, isn't it? Richard Potter from Froome, you have won a Graham Says Hit Les mug. Now, we always end with a quiz, uh, and the winner gets to choose the song we play out on. This week, uh, while Michael is on manager holiday, I will set the quiz. Tom versus right. Chris. Oh. It's a classic <laughs> quiz format. What I'm going to do, I'm going to name a year. Mm-hmm. We haven't done this in a while. I just want you to name me any team or player... That so, player that won an individual award, mm-hmm. for instance, player of the year yes. or the world football of the year, right? Or team that won a professional title, international or domestic, in 1996. Right. So, for instance, if it was 1994, you could say Brazil World Cup. Yes. Or Manchester United, the football, okay. the Premier League. Okay. Tom, as the guest, 1996. Any team that won anything or any player that won anything? Germany. One. Well, you're a 96. <laughs> Correct. Manchester United won the Premier League. Correct. Right. <laughs> uh, Manchester United won the FA Cup. The winners of the 1996 FA Cup between Manchester United and Liverpool was Manchester United. God, of course, Cantona. So you can have any award as well. I would say... I would say Player of the Year. That's such a gamble. Here we go. Eric Cantona. PFA or Football Writers? (laughs) PFA. The 1998 PFA, 1996 PFA Player of the Year was Les Ferdinand. Yay! <laughs> why didn't I, as soon as really? I said that, I That's thought... Bad, isn't wow. It? As soon as I said that, I thought, why didn't I do Charity Shield? Yeah. Yeah. Obvious. What would you have gone for, Charity Shield? I think it would have been, would have been Blackburn versus Everton, wouldn't it? Would it? And I would have said Everton. Do we know the answer? Put us well, out of Slightly embarrassing if you chucked in another wrong answer. Just for no reason, wasn't it? You didn't, you didn't have to dig yourself any deeply, but you, you decided The 1996 to... Charity Shield between Manchester United and Newcastle. <laughs> Don't fancy your chances, I'll be honest. <laughs> Seriously, oh, we've already established God. that Manchester United won the league in 1996. Yeah. It would be a fair guess that they also won. <laughs> oh, no, no. Everton! Where did Everton come from? <laughs> 
Oh, of course, because it would have been the, year... the League and Cup double, yes. yet you'd gone with Blackburn versus <laughs> Everton no, for the charity shield. I'm thinking the 95 96 oh, charity oh, shield. Oh, I didn't realise. Oh, you should have said. You should have <laughs> said. You should have said. <laughs> you should have said. Yeah. It's the 1995 charity shield. Well, I've been wrong twice in that one yeah, little yeah. instance. So. Incredible. So, Tom, you get to choose the song we play out to. Right. And does it have to be football related? It can be anything you want. Anything you want. Um, By the way. Everton beat Blackburn in the charity shield. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, I so, you, so fine. That's fine. <laughs> what is the Everton club song? Uh, they come out to the theme Zed from Zed Cars. Let's play Zed Cars just to rub it in for Skull. There we no, are, Zed Cars. Brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Um, we'll be back next week. Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.